This podcast and the upcoming ballroom competition has been sponsored by Easy Quote Limited, which is owned by Daniel Dobbs, who's a member of our gyms and our community. Dan is present at both sites. He trains at West Yorkshire and at North Leeds, so you'll probably meet him. And if you're lucky, you might get to meet his brand new puppy Doberman, Rolo. Dan's company is a local building company that specialises in all aspects of extensions and conversions. Dan's offered for all ShireFit members and families to provide a free of charge, no obligation, in-house quote, along with architects and design if required. Dan also has got a current job running uh, in Idle, which is really close to the gym in West Yorkshire which is a side and rear extension that he's happy to show anyone around by appointment to give them an idea of time scales, costs, um, and the process for such a project. So if you're looking to get some extension work done or any building work done in the future, make sure you either reach out to us and we will point you in the direction of Dan or go to their Instagram at EasyQuoteLimited. Hi guys, Tom from Stonewolf here. We're a UK-based fitness apparel brand who sponsor the Shire Fit team. We'll be releasing our brand new performance t-shirts on the 31st of August 2023 and they'll be available in teal and blue. They're performance-based because they're sweat-wicking and antibacterial. You can find these on our website, stonewallfitness.com and use the code SHIREFIT for 10% off. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Shirefit podcast. We have Johnny back, guys. He it's is, me, it's not the back. Dorset. Birmingham Tones, Jack, Turner. People actually stay and listen to this one now. Will they actually? Yeah, I reckon so. I hope um, so. Yeah, Johnny's just had a beautiful little baby girl. Thank you. Bailey. Bailey, yeah, three and a half. Well, actually, before we talk. I wish I had like an audience like cheer noise. Like, yeah. yeah, we need better. Um, and both him and Natalie were in the gym yesterday. Yes. Uh, getting back into the swing of some exercise, which is good. Yeah, you know, I've, I've decided to take my own... Uh, balanced coaching advice and rather than ease myself back in decided to do a 30-day challenge of a hero oh good lad yeah <laughs> yeah go on plug it mate yeah so this is your ch- opportunity we did chat about it on the podcast about like yeah. november november and yeah yeah, yeah. Do. and you know the thing is is that i've always felt like i needed to do something like drastic physically because mm. of being a trainer and, mm. and it feels weird that doesn't it but i think that there's a certain level of like expectation placed upon physical trainers and 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 okay like if you're you know if you're going to do an event for charity it needs to be something quite big and that's probably stupid in my own head no i agree i think if you were to do like yeah if you were to do a 10k run i'd be like mate come on yeah well that's it you're in the industry like you can do more than that right and i remember that being the case when i was a full-time crossfit coach in london i did a 10k run for charity and I had like no donations. And so the thing that I had to do was like, right, for every 10 pound I get donated, I'll put on a kilo of a weighted vest. And I ended up having to do a 10K run with a 30 kilo weighted vest. Nice. Because that was how much then I then raised in that kind of, there's also like the closer you get to a deadline of donations, you'll get more. But yeah, so the thing is, is I did a 10K run every day in November in 2021. Yeah. I did an 11K a day last year, which, nearly ended me i'm not gonna lie my ankle and knee by the end of that uh, pretty sore. johnny always does these challenges right before we do straight back there which is always good <laughs> and the year before i had covid <laughs> so yeah. i can't doing strength in depth uh whereas this year i had no escape and uh the worm has traumatized me so much that i've, I've bowed out this year max i'm i'm fully well out you've got other priorities now you're a dad yeah, now mate aren't you? fully so. out of the competing life but yeah so 
the thing is, is that doing a hero CrossFit workout every day sounds intimidating and, and I'm pretty sure it will be tough. And I am managing that as well, you know, to, to kind of put my balanced coach head on my shoulders. There are many different workouts, you know, I think there's over 170 or something when I looked at the full list. And so I'm not just going to do Murph every day. I'm not like doing a beast wad every day. Yeah. And I'm going to be quite careful with Smart the about movement pans, you know, that I do. So yesterday I did thrusters and push-ups. So mm-hmm. it was, you know, a lot, of, a lot of quads, a lot of pushing. Um, and so today I've chosen one that's like mostly hinging. Uh, there's box jumps in it, but you know, if I, if I stay quite snappy you'll be fine yeah it's more of a, a hinge explosive movement isn't it than a squat so yeah it's a and I'll, I'll change the time domains as well you know like long medium short and yeah. i'll alternate that through the week so yeah it'll be just a challenge to, but so it's not like I'm not just to recap for the members because um we've gone into crossfit talk a little bit there johnny's doing one of the hardest crossfit workouts um each but, day known as the hard, harder crossfit workouts the hero workouts uh each day every day for november Raising money for the November. November yeah. He's also, yeah, also going to moustache, but you won't see it. No. Probably. no, maybe by day 25. Yeah. But you'll wonder why there's a big gap in the middle and that's just the way that that goes. So there you go. It's an absolutely horrendous it's, thing. That. Yeah. It, the thing is, is which it, is probably why you have to do a big physical task on side. Correct. You know, I mean, the moustache is, is so poor. Yeah, but that's embarrassing in itself, right? So surely that warrants the donations because of how terrible it is. Yeah, I mean, the amount of banter yeah, I get about yeah, that moustache. Yeah. Um, yeah, it gets better every year. And I think that is an example to lead into our podcast later. Here we go. Linear progression. Uh-huh. <laughs> I grow it, I cut it, and then I grow it again. You know, you got to give it time to grow. Yeah. Lovely segue into the summary for the show, guys. So, um, this show, we've got a warm up question, which is about CrossFit being dangerous for older generations. We've got a strength section, which is about how eating carbs can actually make you leaner, uh, or more carbs, I should say. And then the workout is about programming. So I'm going to talk about different types of programming, how we program as a gym, and then um, a couple of concepts, one particularly notable concept called the pocket, which is the new style of programming that's breaking through. So uh, on to the start then, which is our warm question. This question was from Amy. First question from a non-member, I should add. Oh, wow. That's quite cool. Yeah, Thanks cool. for that, Amy. Uh, and she asks, is CrossFit dangerous for older generations? Kick us off, Johnny. Oh, right. Yeah. You want me to kick off? Yeah. Um, oh, I can, I think. I think oh, I just had a big spiel, so you kick off. Remember. Yeah. So... Um, it's not inherently dangerous is the quick answer. So it can be dangerous uh, depending on its application. Um, there actually was a big court case in America because the, is it the NSCA? Is that the National Strength Association? Yeah. They um, produced some falsified results that suggested that CrossFit was quite dangerous, <laughs> uh, producing more injuries than it actually was. Um, and it was funded by some organizations that didn't want CrossFit to succeed. Uh, let's just put it that way before I get into any legal trouble online. Uh, and yes, so the, the and they went to court and they were found guilty, the NSCA, of falsifying um, injury statistics to muddy the name of CrossFit. 
Um, and it turns out that CrossFit is about as uh, risky in terms of injuries. This is not specifically for older people, by the way, just generally the same as most other sports, you know, not a massive discrepancy. So the same as weightlifting, the same as hit classes, the same as rugby, the same as football, right? Running, there's similar injury rates in all of them, slight differences, but nothing too uh, egregious. We then move on to the topic of the older generation. So is it more dangerous for the older generation? And you could make an argument to present there is, it requires big ranges of motion, dynamic, powerful movements, and potentially, you know, the Olympic lifts are the stumbling block for the older generation when it comes to injury because of the power and the dynamic movements through a big range of motion, which are required for those. But CrossFit's not all about Olympic lifting. You know, there's other elements to CrossFit. Um, and so if handled correctly, managed correctly, and if you follow the weightlifting textbooks pro properly, um, people with less mobility, I don't want to label older, older people with less mobility, but let's say the older generations, can be given alternatives, derivatives of the lifts. For example, split variations are sometimes taught. Um, power variations are often better for older populations of the lifts. And so just like anything, it can be tailored or tweaked so that it's not particularly dangerous. And this comes to the question, is CrossFit dangerous for older generations? My short answer is no depending on its application. So you just like um, football clubs, you get good football clubs and you get not so good football clubs and you get good CrossFit gyms and you get not so good CrossFit gyms. And if you come to a gym that has your safety um, in mind and is gonna look after you and make sure you do things like the derivative lifts, make sure that you're prepared for weights and don't attack things that you're not ready for, you're probably gonna be safe. If you go to a gym that is more interested in other things. Let's say, for example, um, I don't know, performance and don't care about, you know, the older generation coming in, then potentially it could be dangerous. Um, that was a really long way of saying no. Yeah, and I, I'd agree with you in that it's not inherently dangerous and mm. we can have that conversation about sport, as you said, because if you saw a study about rugby that said, you know, X amount of people have like had head injuries and stuff, you'd be quick to be like, well, okay, man, like this is clearly like an unsafe sport, but then look at all of the people that never have an issue playing it right for years and years so it's mm. just not you can't take that one aspect out of context and then apply it i think that what we need to remember is something that we speak about on this podcast a lot you mentioned it there about correctly progressing lifts and derivatives of lifts and things like that is that we need to stay within our uh, realm of competence while pushing the envelope in terms of our ability and so if you are struggling with a movement because of a like lack of mobility or you know, there's just so many cues going inside your head that you're just thinking about a million things at once. It's probably beyond your current ability. And you can't just like paleo harder. Do you know what I mean? You can't just keep doing it when it's not working. You need to kind of step back and go, this isn't right for me right now. I need another thing that I can do to develop that here. So, you know, with a bar muscle up, if you're consistently chicken winging, where one arm goes before the other, doing more muscle ups is not going to stop you from doing that. Like there is a breakdown somewhere which is probably in the, the either the dynamic of your hip swing or it's probably your lat strength, right? That you need to work on so that you can pull lower and pull in a more complete fashion. And you can do that through that, you know, there's there's banded lat pull downs, there's like bar muscle progressions, there's actual lat work, you know, mm. strengthen your goddamn lats. That's something that I think a lot of CrossFitters are weak with anyway, because we don't do a lot of lat engaged pulling work classically, particularly with pull-ups. 
you can get into bad habits of, of doing trap pull-ups. So, and, and similarly with Olympic lifts, if you're like, oh man, okay, so when I snatch, I need to drive my knees back and I need to make sure that I, you know, I start to stand up with the quads and then I need to, then I need to shrug my shoulders and then I need to think high elbow, you know, you know, scarecrow arms and then I need to get under it and I need to focus on landing in a squat. It's like, it's too much. Mm. You need to break that down. Be like snatch pull-unders or mm. snatch deadlifts or whatever. And then you, you move it together slower. And so if you're an older person, doing really dynamic, as you mentioned, full range of motion stuff off the bat might not be a smart idea. Like if you go straight into kipping pull-ups and you can do one strict, I'd be like, we probably need to slow this down because mm. you, you're, you know, you're going to put unnecessary wear and tear on your joints, particularly if you add speed and intensity to that as well. Like those are the, the three big things that, you know, dynamic speed, intensity, those are the things that are going to break things down quicker. Um, so lighter weights, less intensity um and, and more strict stuff i would recommend to build that capacity up over time and then remember that weightlifting is known for older generations to be very 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 helpful for the uh, offset of like osteoporosis and sarcopenia in terms of like bone you know bone loss and, and muscle loss and and therefore reducing the risk of falling and fractures as you get older and generally just being much more functional as you age rather than going into decrepitude, which is what a lot of people just seem to think should happen as they get older. Yeah. Before we started um, recording, I actually said to Johnny, I, I would like to reverse this question and say, is not doing CrossFit dangerous for the older generations? Like the, as the return question. And actually we've looked at it from a movement perspective, like mainly because I think that's, kind of how the question is geared. But if we zoom out and go big picture, what is CrossFit, functional movement, performed at high intensity, across broad time and modal domains, is not doing that dangerous for the older generation? I would say yes, because uh, if you're not training full ranges of motion, likely is you're probably gonna be more at risk for hip problems when you're older, knee problems when you're older, which are gonna make you sedentary. If you're not doing exercise regularly, you're likely to have higher problems with heart and lungs, blood pressure, all those things that happen when we get older. So is not doing CrossFit actually dangerous? Probably not, you know, not necessarily CrossFit, but exercise in general. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's probably not a good idea. Particularly strength and conditioning based exercise. Yeah. I, I mean, I had this discussion with my mum recently. It's like she's struggling with her shoulder. She's got um, calcification in her shoulder and it it's really painful for her to go um, do anything overhead now. And she's just essentially stopped using that shoulder. Um, and you've got to kind of like, it's, it's like pick your poison. Yeah. Would you prefer have like a nagging shoulder pain, but still be able to do movements or do nothing about it, leave it and then have a frozen, frozen shoulder when you're 80, like, yeah, yeah. like the, not exercising has a risk as well. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I, I also think that so many physios and doctors, like our concept of pain and, and, and uh, rehab is so backward. It's like, if, okay, if that hurts, don't do it. Mm -hmm. you know, but what, am I just going to never use my shoulder again? Like, yeah. what's, the, what's the process out of this? So you're totally right. Mm -hmm. Strength and conditioning exercise in general is the key. Um, and that's why I think CrossFit can be great in terms of introing that, you mm -hmm. know, being a place that's supportive in that, being a place that, provides a community and coaches to help you with that. And um, it's finding that good gym then that's like, cool, you know, let's focus on form, let's focus on weight, you know, technique, let's focus on building strength, 
and you know moving well, moving aerobically for the most part, and, and getting that great workout in without then that risk of injury. Yeah. Cool. Hope you like that, Amy. And if you're thinking about giving us a try, do it. Get yourself onto the website. I was going to say non-member, like Shire. just geographically unable to, to join. Don't know. www.shire.fit. Um, and on there, you'll see a trappy class form. Okay, onto the strength section, which is a question as well, actually. Johnny pointed out, are we just currently doing two questions? That is not the case. Uh, it sounds like a question, but it actually comes from an online concept, which was what we originally set out to tackle in strength topics so the the topic is how can eating more carbs make someone look leaner and this comes from a post that i saw um, online recently from training think tank which are a programming company in crossfit and it was a post from a nutritionist they have an in-house nutritionist and uh, it was a before and after i know johnny doesn't particularly like before and afters <laughs> but the post i thought was really interesting because she said words to the effect of, I know what you're thinking, that you're thinking this is going to be a weight loss post, a before and after weight loss, but actually they, this is a body composition post. I haven't get lost weight. I've actually gained weight. I've gained three kilos, but I look leaner. And how have I achieved this? Contrary to popular belief, instead of cutting everything, reducing carbs, reducing protein, you know, all that, eat more, eat less, move more concept, She's actually eating more. She doubled her carb intake um, and as a result, looked leaner at the end. And it was an interesting concept to me to think about. And I actually wanted, you know, Johnny to answer the question, how can this be the case? How can she double her carbs, but get leaner in, uh, as a result? Yeah. So before we talk about any caveats of like personal circumstance and adaptation, which will be at play as well, in terms of the, cause she was like, okay, I gained three kilos. So three kilo gain, depending on time frame, small amount of muscle, depending upon the training age of the person, because muscle is growing very, very slowly after you've been training for like three to five years. A lot of that will be muscle glycogen. So that's how carbohydrates are stored in the muscles. Carbohydrates, when they are stored, come each gram is, that is stored as glycogen comes with three to four grams of water, right? So if you eat a gram of carb and it gets stored, you technically could put on five grams. So if you eat 500 grams of carbs and they're all stored, two and a half kilo, uh, you know, weight gain overall. And that's the thing that shits people up when they're using the scales only to dictate their progress. And they think about this whole, like, well, I want to eat more to train better, but oh, oh God, I've, I've put on weight and my goal right now is to get thinner and I want to lose weight. So that's the wrong thing. I'm going to go and eat less again. And you get stuck in that awful cycle. Mm. So the whole like eat less, move more can fall short for many, many people for many reasons. And, and the biggest reason is the uh, lethargy that that causes, right? You know, you, when you're eating less and you're training hard, your body only has so much energy. You have to have a certain amount of energy for your bodily processes anyway, and your general movement, right? And so if you start to eat less, you have less for that, which means that you're going to move less throughout the day. Even if you're trying to consciously hit your steps, you're going to be quite tired. And, and lethargic, right? Quite lazy, sitting down more, leaning against walls when you're stood up or, or whatever, like really kind of like subtle things. Yeah, you wouldn't even notice wouldn't it. Wouldn't notice yeah. it, fidgeting less, mm. right? Is a, is a symptom. But then also you're going to burn less energy in your exercise. Yeah, you're so going to undersell your workouts. You're going to undercook yeah. your workouts and you're going to undercook your recovery. So there's two things there. There's the one, you don't have enough energy for your workout in the first place. And two, you can't recover from it, right? And this is why people... They're like, oh, I'm eating really well, I'm eating clean or whatever. And then by Thursday, they're absolutely shattered. They're sore as hell from the gym. 
and you're describing me right now i just want to eat everything inside it's, it's an under eating concept yeah and so this is the concept of energy flux where we have a certain amount of energy in and we can produce a certain amount of energy out and so what this nutritionist is describing here is that particularly in the form of carbohydrates which is our energy macronutrient she has upped them so that she can improve her energy in and as a result she's improving her energy out as well because she's able to work out harder and she's able to recover better as well mm. so it's a good concept to keep in mind particularly for crossfit mm. is that that is a carbohydrate utilizing sport now, don't listen to fat adapted people because even for high energy endurance athletes you know they're carbohydrate dominant because you know after you get to like 50 to 60 percent vo2 max whatever it's like 80 percent of your energy is being used as carbs or i can't remember the, the exact percentages but like there's a three-way graph of fuel substrate usage that we have in sports science and like carbs are just predominantly used all the freaking time with fats there as the background so carbs are helpful but you've got to then rely that to your individual circumstances if you're someone who works behind a desk and you train three to five times a week for an hour and that class is like a warm-up you know a bit of a strength session and a conditioning piece you're Don't not, double your carbs. You're not going to need the level of, you know, this yeah. this woman sounds like she trains like several hours a day. Yeah, so so it's, just going into a bit more detail, I think she was in the spiral that you were talking about, that downward spiral of under-eat to try and get leaner, under-sell your workouts, and actually that can make people, you talked about the water before. Yeah, so that, yeah. that, that the thing is, is that if, you're, if your body's stressed, stressed yeah. because you're under-eating and you're over-exercising, so you're under-recovering, mm. that stress can cause water retention. So you, you might not see a drop in the scale and you're like, you know, bloody hell, nothing's working. And then you look in the mirror and I mean, obviously, you know, what we see in the mirror can, can be dictated by many things, but particularly if you then look bloated and watery, you're mm. like, I'm still eating too much. That's yeah. why I'm bloated. And then she was cutting so you and cut more. underselling. Yeah, and you cut in more and, you, and you walk yeah. more and you're like, what the hell is happening? Then you start yeah. sleeping like shit, you know, and, and all of those things are just like, it's actually under eating. Right. And then that's the, that's the danger of it, again, of using the scale mm. um, to dictate that. And, and again, you, you are using body composition as well to dictate that, but you're, you're kind of, you're, you're not seeing the, the real solution to it. Mm. So the energy flux there is, is the key. And then it's relating that to your unique, unique situation. And I think that's why, like we, we chatted it there, like when people try to eat better, they, they think like, oh, I'm going to cut the crap, you know, I'm going to stop eating junk. But a lot of the time they might also be like, oh, I'll have more salads and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll have more vegetables, but they ine inevitably then eat fewer carbohydrates because mm. they cut out bread or cut out rice or cut out potatoes in a, in a bid to like eat more nutrient dense foods. Like not that those foods are nutrient void, but like they, to eat more fruits and veggies, but they're just cutting the carb intake. Mm. And then it's, it's, you then get to that end of the week where it's like, man, I'm knackered, you know, I'm going to have a massive takeaway and then I'm going to do nothing. And then you're like, oh man, I'm such a bad person. I ate all that Chinese food. Our weekends are right off. I'll start again on Monday. And you just can't get out of that cycle. So yeah. by, by eating, you know, by eating the bread, by eating the rice, by eating the pasta um, and adding the nutrient dense foods, you know, add the fruits and veggies as well. And, and that's why I talk to people about listening to their body, yeah. right? Listen to your hunger cues, listen to your appetite cues, yeah. use your rational thought around your exercise. If you're feeling lethargic, it might not be your sleep. It might be the fact that you're eating too little. Mm. If you're bloated, it might be because you're eating too little. Like people don't realize that bloating and GI distress can often be caused because of like limited food intakes in mm. terms of like eating the same thing all the time and having like a disordered food pattern rather than like an abundance variety of foods and different yeah. nutrients. 
Yeah, just so, yeah, I, I've actually seen this wave coming out now of this, you know, of the nutrition people, the food industry people that I follow. I wouldn't want to, I didn't want to call them all nutritionists because they're not, but yeah. Um, uh, look, starting to shift the focus now quite, I love this, this new wave of like what people can gain rather than what they have to lose. You know, yeah. I think it's quite an interesting, it's a much better way of looking at it in my opinion. Like most people actually, if you were to ask them, you know, they say they're hundred kilos. Yeah. And they think they're overweight and you know, they want to lose weight. They say that that's what they want. They want to lose weight. But actually, if you gave them the option of being 105 kilos, but leaner, they would take it. So it's not a weight problem. It's a performance and it's a leanness thing that they want to fix rather than yeah. weight. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I'd say that um, if we went even deeper than that, it's confidence. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah. People want confidence. Um, and, and a lot of the time, image can be brought into that. Mm. And I think then you have somebody putting this before and after there and everyone's like, Oh yeah, you know, you look amazing. You look amazing. That person now inevitably has this image now of like, everybody loves me looking like this. Yeah. If I go back to that, am I still worthy? Mm. Am I still lovable? Am I still enough? We're going deep here. Like, yeah. And no, I was going to say, shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because that's yeah. the cycle that we get stuck in. Okay. Yeah. It's like, your body's your business card yeah especially as trainers mm. you know I, I have the, I've had a big thing with that over the last couple of years and the piece around you know like everybody loves me at this this thing and the only way I was able to maintain that was through three hours of exercise a day mm. rigidly tracking all my calories and macros and it's mm. like but when your confidence is the thing that you're wanting it's like I was chatting to a member who will remain anonymous about it it's like no amount of fat loss will get you there. I was going to say it's fool's gold yeah. because it's no not something you can hold on there. to. Yeah. You're like, yeah. oh, I've reached that way. Yeah. Maybe I can reach that yeah. way. What if I can get leaner? Yeah. Or like I was saying to you, I've got pictures of me back in my competitive days and I know that at those days I was really critical of my body mm. and like I've got a competition where I've got visible abs and it was like three months later I signed up to work with a nutritionist mm. to get leaner and performance was in the cards but it was wrapped up with leanness. It was yeah. like, leanness will make me look fitter. I'll finally not be, you know, the fat kid anymore. And I'll also perform better. But it's just, it's never enough, as the greatest showman <laughs> song will tell us. Uh, it's, you know, it, when confidence is the key. And so, like, I get your point of, like, if people could get leaner, they'll bite your hand off rather yeah. than weight loss. And so, yeah. again, yeah, throw the scales away. Yeah. Because they're probably not helping your eating habits for performance. Mm. And then although leanness can, can, can be a byproduct of training hard and all the rest of it, yeah, confidence goes beyond that. Yeah. I, I suppose, yeah, just to wrap up, the reason that I thought it'd be good to discuss is it's contrary to the popular belief. It is, you yeah. eat more carbs, well, you're going to get it's, it's the eat less, bigger, move yeah. more calorie deficit yeah, paradigm. Yeah. And I've, I've, yeah. you know, I've, I've screamed from that bit on top yeah. before, so I'll, I'll hold my hand up in being ill-informed. Okay, lovely. Moving on to the uh, final piece of the podcast, guys, which is our workout, which this week is about programming. Um, and what I wanted to do was just give people an insight into different types of programming and then what we do and why we think that that's important. So um, Johnny also has experience in programming, by the way, so um, chip in where you want to, Johnny. Um, you program for individuals at the moment is that right as well yeah, yeah and i think on an individual basis it, there is elements of this that go into it but it's yeah. far simpler because yeah. of people's you know holidays groups is a different different yeah, challenge is a different dynamic. yeah so um 
starting off with types then guys so these are all your different types of programming um that have been either created and then researched and made its way into mainstream strength and conditioning culture or um passed down through the generations you know like think about your bodybuilders who talk through this is what we do you know um the first type is block uh, and this is where you have specific blocks of training devoted to an athletic quality your typical block uh programming cycle would be something like a hypertrophy cycle at the start which is where we work on uh, growing the muscle bellies so trying to do you know your typical 8 to 12 rep range more bodybuilding style movements you might do that for 4 8 12 weeks that'll be your block and then the next block might be your speed strength cycle and that's where you move lighter weights fast and you might potentially if you're in a sport pick what you do if you're an olympic lifter you do olympic lifting if you're a rugby player you do back squats whatever and then your last block probably something like absolute strength and that's where you're doing your one to three rep range super heavy 90 percent plus all the time and so on and so forth so again depending on the goal time of year season etc you might have different types of blocks but it'd be like either four <coughs> six or eight week blocks with generally some deloads in between uh, next style is linear and this is where we take a an athletic quality that we want to build and we progress gradually across the cycle so let's take the, ath the athletic quality of absolute strength uh, we're doing that one to three rep range and we might start this could be a 12 week cycle six week cycle eight week cycle whatever but we'd start with lighter singles doubles and triples at the front end of the program and then as you progress to later on in the program let's say week 12 you then go to 100 percent or, or try and beat your previous score and you get this gradual linear improvement or, or increase in weight week on week based on reps and sets uh, next uh, style is undulating programming which is often done in sports um, because it allows for peaks and troughs in training that go alongside the sporting calendar matches and things like that um, so undulating would be where we do periods of like high intense work and then for periods of low and easy work high intense work low and easy work high intense work and that could be across any physical quality again could be absolute strength could be speed strength could be power whatever but the undulating cycle goes up and down in terms of difficulty, which allows people to recover generally better. And it's generally used in sporting uh, programs. And then the final style um, or recognized style is dynamic programming. And this is where week on week, you might program an athletic quality that you want to develop. Let's say for example, strength again, um, and you base it off of previous weeks. So let's say, for example, I'm programming with Johnny week one, I set him a heavy three at night or something. And he comes back and he gives me a score. He says, that was so hard, mate. That was brutal. I, I could barely even finish that third rep. So in a dynamic program, the next week, I might set him a three again, but I'll do it at 86% because it's not too hard for him, but it's still challenging. And then I'll adapt. That's a simple version, but I'll adapt the program week on week. And this is a sim this is essentially what I'm doing at the moment with some with Tara, where because her results vary quite a lot as an athlete, uh, based on how she's feeling, how much work she's got on, how much stress she's under. What I'm doing is taking the week and essentially copying it across, but altering 
the, the rep range and the intensity based on how she's feeling on the previous week. So this way it's more dynamic. I can change if we need to, we can do different movements, etc. So there's all your types there guys. Then that's not an exhaustive list, by the way, there'll be other types, but these are the main ones that you see filtering in. Um, we, Johnny just correctly pointed out, actually, we do, I was going to say a cross between two, we do a linear slash dynamic, but we actually do a cross between three. So we do a, a bit of a block, a bit of a linear progression and a bit of a dynamic progression. Yeah. Cause I think they, you know, you talk about those as types of progressions, but I think they work, you know, within themselves, right? You, you have a, a, a couple of elements of your fitness you're prioritizing within a block you progress those in a linear fashion when you can, but you're then dynamic with your rate of perceived exertion based on your recovery. Yeah. And essentially <coughs> there's, there'll be themes within the cycle. So what we do is we, we do this, this cross. So we do have blocks, um, denoted to, uh, breathe, build and be cycles. So you could call them blocks. Um, because we're biasing a specific physical quality. We're actually biasing our energy systems. So in the breathe cycle, we're biasing our aerobic system. In the build cycle, we're biasing our um, ATP PC system, or some people call that strength or alactic weather. And then the last cycle, the beast, is uh, biasing towards our anaerobic system. Pain. Yeah, the best one. Um, <laughs> and. Although there will be elements of strength in all, although there will be elements of aerobic in all, although there will be elements of an anaerobic in all, we bias the program slightly in that favor. So yeah. people get more doses of, you know, that's particular energy system. So that's where the blocks come in. Uh, we also do some linear progressions as well. So at the start of the cycle, uh, every single cycle, by the way, we start fresh, brand new, with the qualities that we want to develop, and then we all write out progressions for them. And that's a team effort. I can't, you know, I don't want to take credit for that. Often people blame the programming on me or assign the programming to me. It's good and bad, you know, on a bad day when it's hard workout, it's Max's programming, yeah. you know, but the smooth, the raster rough, the smooth of that is when people PB, they assign it as Max's program, but we all write the progressions. So as a team, Jack might be assigned, I don't know, let's say strict press. I might be assigned strict pull up. Tara might be assigned back squat and we write progressions based on our experience, based on what we've done, what we think works, based on new ideas and concepts. But we'll write weeks one out to 12 for breathe and build, sorry, breathe and beast. For build, we give it slightly longer, one to 16. And we actually write out each individual progression um, and we try and use our experience and skills and training and education to make that a nice progression, yeah? Um, so that's how we do a bit of a linear progression across our athletic qualities. And then the final one is the dynamic application of those. So although we write the phases out, they're all written up. Week on week, we'll assess how they're going with the members. And if something's too hard, we're overshooting the program or too easy, we're undershooting, uh, uh, sorry, underreaching on the program, we'll adapt as we go. So we'll, we're literally, as we're coaching, watching and seeing, right, what's going on with this cycle? Are people doing well? Are they struggling? Are we, have we done too much volume of this? Have we done too little volume of this? And so, although we've written out the progressions, when we come to the week that we're copying across, which is why we now do two weeks in advance of programming, we're 
dynamically changing parts of it to make sure that it fits. Um, the other part of dynamic application is not just in what we write on the board, but in how we approach with coaches individually to the class. So as Johnny comes in, I know he's just had a baby. I know he's um, got stress with builders at the moment. We won't get into that. <laughs> um, we know he's, you know, generally having a bit of a tough time at the moment. Um, I'm going to approach the programming differently to Johnny than I am to someone who I know can smash it and can hit really high intensities. So based on Johnny's posture, um, communication, his body language, I'm going to assess how he's feeling on the day. And so my delivery to him as an individual is going to be different. I might say to him, mate, why don't you try just doing a nice, uh, good quality pause squat for me really fast rather than trying to go for a one rep max today or something like that. So the dynamic part of the program is our delivery to our individual members as well. Yeah, that's cool. Do you want to talk about the builders? No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the, um, so we actually cover all of those. We cross a blend between those styles. So we do a bit of block, a bit of linear, and a bit of dynamic. And why is that important for us to do that? And why do we do that as a, as a brand and as the gyms? So this is a new, um, the, all those styles, the block, the linear, the undulating, and the dynamic came out of old, not all of them, but a lot of them came out of old Soviet style research when it comes to, you know, the Olympics and strength sports. And so um, a lot of it has made its way into the strength and conditioning community and has been researched to be effective. Um, and it definitely is effective, um, but there's a new wave of um, programming style coming through in the strength and community strength and conditioning community, um, generally now known as what's trying to, sorry, the concept is known as keeping people in the pocket. So those previous programs with linear block and undulations generally have been found to underreach at the start of the programs and overshoot at the end of programs. So if you think about week one, Generally, Olympic lifters during week one of cycles will be doing like a lot of accessories, bodybuilding movements, and they're doing, you know, high rep ranges and people are getting very little out of week one. Week 12 is generally really hard. They're doing sets and sets of 90%, 95% plus. And so the wear on the body, the stimulus on the body is undersold at the front and oversold at the end. And so what the new wave of programming that's coming out from these strength and conditioning courses and communities is about, is about keeping people in the pocket, what they call the pocket, which is that beautiful spot between underreaching and overshooting. We want a little, a little bit of challenge to the body, one that, we, that one that it can recover from and improve upon, but not too much that it's crushing people. It's like Goldilocks and the three bears. Exactly. You can't, have, you can't have too cold porridge. You exactly. Can't have too hot porridge. It's that real sweet spot that we're right. trying to achieve. Yeah, and, yeah. and we're trying to keep people there. So if you think about the bottom, the front end of programs now coming up and being slightly more challenging, and the back end of programs coming down and becoming slightly less challenging, that's how you want to kind of think about the programming going forward. Yeah, because it's the concept of minimum effective volume and maximum minimum effective volume. Dose, exactly yeah and so you want to be yeah. sat inside of that 
you know, where you're doing enough to get results, but not too much that you can't recover from it. Exactly. And that's going to change. And, and just as a, as a, um, a way of explaining that, say you've, um, got a headache and you go in to take some paracetamol to help you get over that headache. Yeah. Not that I do. I don't take paracetamol ever. But anyway, <laughs> move on. Um, say if we give you an underdose, so a quarter of a tablet or something like that, you're going to get very little effect on achieving the headache pain relief that you want. So that's not going to be helpful for you. If we overdose, let's say we take 10 tablets, yeah, you're probably not going to be in a good way as a result. Okay, worst case scenario, you might die, which we don't want to happen either, do we? So what the new wave of programming in the pocket is all about is giving you that perfect dose, that two tablets that you need to give you the response that you want out the other end. And actually, I am loving this new stage of programming because I have felt that as an athlete. I followed cycle after cycle after cycle where the start feels easy and you almost feel like you're going through the motions and the end feels rough and you're hanging on by a thread and you need that deload where people can make a lot more progress by actually just, you know, taking a step back, uh, taking a step up at the beginning of cycles, working a little bit harder, doing a bit more, and then not absolutely trashing themselves at the end of cycles. Um, and I've felt the aware of that, the aware of that. I mean, if you're hanging on for a deload, you've probably gone too hard. Yeah. And the longer that we can stay in the pocket, the better when it comes to a cycle. So that is why we try and blend those guys we try and do the blocks so we can bias a program uh, an energy system we try and do a progression so that people know they're getting better and are getting better and get the right dose and then we dynamically alter it to keep people in the pocket and that's my summary of our program nice one. <laughs> um hope you enjoyed that hope that um it's helpful to know that there is a little bit of thought that goes into these uh, sessions that you turn up for yeah it's not just the uh, coach turning up on the day and deciding the workout definitely not scrambled how through. some gyms operate not gonna lie Ooh, name them now i'm joking though <laughs> <laughs> um yeah definitely not there's a little bit of thought that goes into it hope you enjoyed learning about programming today guys and uh yep yeah, see you on the next show see you soon Thank you.